Hello, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes in American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Dell crosses the line. A.K.A. murder. Yeah, and cannot be crossed back. <laughs> <laughs> you done fucked it, Dell. <laughs> uh, it's 30 seconds, I'm already laughing. Uh, today's episode is titled Test of Strength and was written by Crystal Liu. And I don't know why I deep dived into this woman, but she was the script coordinator on American Horror Story pretty much from the beginning and then became a story editor. And then this is her first writer credit on AHS and as a, and, and as a writer in general. So we love the growth. Just remember this name because she she wrote my absolute favorite episode, which we will get to mm-hmm. in a little in in some time. But just rem- remember the name. Remember Crystal Liu, and Crystal it was Liu. directed by Anthony Hemingway, who has directed a whole bunch of TV, including The Wire, Community, and American Crime Story Versace. So he seems great. Good for him. Yeah. Um. With this episode, shall we start with Dell? Because this is a very Dell-heavy episode, isn't it? Yeah, because we haven't seen him for a while. Um, yeah. So we go check in on Dell. So Dell gets blackmailed by Stanley and needs to deliver a freak. Stanley is one of those annoying people who, in any office situation will sort of hover around and get people to do things and try to bully them into doing more work that's not strictly their job and to do his job for him yeah or like just get me you know when people go into the kitchen and be like oh you got a kitchen just do you want to make me another coffee mm. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so that's Stanley yeah. but with murder and but with murder. <laughs> <laughs> and Dell tries to murder Amazon Eve. And I say this kind of as a question because I still don't understand why he would choose to murder um try to murder a woman who is twice his size. He's not a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only explanation. And I think I I think it's quite clever writing that Stanley goes with Dell because like mm. the you know, Stanley is he's very smart. And yes. a lot of the men in the show are not very smart. Stanley's extremely smart. Mm. And the fact that he has immediately honed in on who I would argue is the most like vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. in this entire group um 
Well, because he knows, you know, yeah. Dell is so afraid of people finding out that he's gay. Like, yes. That, that he knows that that's something he can immediately ex- exploit mm. in a way that he can't do with anyone else. That's true. Yeah, he's zero. Del, um, Stanley's one of those people who zeroes in on someone's weakness. He's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike any, every other Because, yeah, I don't know why he goes for Amazon Eve. Because um, she's obviously going to kick his ass, and she does. So, Which is very satisfying. But then there's, a, there's an intense scene with Jimmy at a bar. There's a lot of uh, emotions in that scene. A lot of toxic masculinity. <laughs> what do you think about Del and Jimmy's relationship? It's mainly tragic. And mm. and this is the thing I don't... Del's interesting. I think his relationship with Jimmy's interesting because... I I don't think he's consciously trying to manipulate his son. I don't think he he's not a Stanley. He doesn't have some means to an end for doing this. But it's this very sad thing of seeing like he's such a a messed up guy and he has so many issues he's not dealing with and he's channing a lot of that into, you know, drinking and being violent and being all these things that he is. Um and it's just sad seeing how, like, the moment that he and Jimmy are together, mm-hmm. it's like his habits are starting to transfer. You know, Jimmy, yeah. he's someone who's always been very careful to to not drink because, you know, of his mother's alcoholism. So he, he you know, is conscious that he might have inherited, like, the same sort of traits towards addiction. Mm-hmm. and And, yeah, just seeing, like... Because Jimmy's so desperate to, like, you know, have a relationship with his dad, but it's it's having a negative effect on him, and it's just sad. That's the thing. It's sad because Dell's not Dell's not trying to hurt him, but because he's such a hurt person, mm-hmm. it's just transferring. That's, yeah, yeah, and there's there's also this. Del trying to be a somewhat removed father figure to to Jimmy while they kind of both know that he's also Jimmy's biological dad, but they're both skirting around it all the time and not really addressing it so they can never really fully form a bond. It's always like there's always this distance between them. And when Jimmy gets drunk and sort of confronts him about it, it's such a... I mean, I thought it was such a beautiful scene where he just wants him to say the thing that he already knows. So there's some sort of honesty coming out of Dell. And it's probably that in his scene with Andy, Matt Bomer, in, in a, a few episodes ago, are probably the only two moments where Dell is actually honest and vulnerable with the other person. Yeah. I also liked that Evan Peters' performance in this scene was mm. very reminiscent of Brad Pitt at the end of Seven. <laughs> you know where he's like, "Come on, come on!" I love, it. I love it. I'm not. This is. I'm not saying this as a negative. I love. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it totally makes sense. I hadn't even put those two and two together. I love it. Come on. 
my dad. Come on. <laughs> Shout out to Evan Peters. Oh, 100%. Also, great drunk acting. He's really, really mm. good. When they go back in the morning and he's doing that whole thing of like, shh, gotta be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, yeah. And um, also, wait, is this the one where Evan Peters sings Come As You Are? Yes. <gasps> <laughs> Can we just do a musical interlude? And discuss Evan Peters singing Nirvana. The thing with this scene is, I in the context of the story, mm-hmm. because he's really good. Yeah. And in the context of the story, is he meant to be good? Well, the way that I think of this scene is that he's never been an on-stage person. So, like, in the dynamics of the freak show, he's never been, like, a headline act. Because, you know, it it his um how to call it, like his freakishness is sort of passive in a way. I don't know if that makes sense, but he's never been center stage. And then with this song, he's like, Hold on, Elsa, I can do other shit, namely I can put on a good show, I can sing. Better I than can she can. <laughs> pretend to be Kurt Cobain. I mean, he also, let's just... I mean, the fact that... I can't separate the fact that uh, Evan Peters would have been so good at playing Kurt Cobain, I think. I am surprised he has not. Yeah. At least in the context of American Horror Story. I guess it is, like, a little bit of a situation where it's too soon to to deal with that real-life character. Is it? Because there's been a number of movies about Kurt Cobain, including a fictional one. That's true, but you know he'd do something really tacky with it. (laughs) Maybe Ryan Murphy's waiting. Oh, I meant like any type of, in any situation, he should have played Kurt Cobain. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily, although it would be such a great American crime story. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like like it is going to happen eventually Mm. in... In some Ryan Murphy project. <laughs> yeah. And Evan Peters will absolutely play him. Oh, he's he's aged out, I think, now. He looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I feel like Evan Peters just has looked the same his entire life. Which is great. Non, non-aging Evan Peters. One of the other things that happens is that Jimmy brings back the twins from Dandy's house back to the back to the freak show and they try to well they get a two things happen they blackmail Elsa and they get a makeover well one of them gets a makeover yes <laughs> um, yeah Dandy's not happy about it well is Dandy ever happy the the crash zoom of doom <laughs> <laughs> when they leave and it just goes in on his face and mm. it's like, oh, he's gonna do some murders. <laughs> Watch out. What do you make of Elsa's new dynamic with the twins? I love it. I, she deserves this. <laughs> because 
Yeah, she has truly thought that she is invincible up until mm. this point, especially after last episode. And I think it's nice to see her nervous for the first time mm. and see her a little unsure of herself for the first time. I mean, she's she's still trying to play the master manipulator. Mm. There is, though, a changing dynamic, right? Because this kind of crosses over the whole episode and where we are in the season. But between Dell getting blackmailed by Stanley to try to murder one of his own and the twins coming back with a much, much renewed sense of power and kind of know knowing that they are the star attraction and they actually hold the power over Elsa. And then Elsa also kind of trying to engineer her own escape from her own show with Stanley, who's still posing as a as a TV producer. And this like there's like a lot of simmering anger right now at the Cabinet of Curiosities. Like people are done with everyone. Yeah, it's sort of like the you could the the build up to something. Mm. I feel like that's what all this episode is. Mm-hmm. Like the build up to to things really kicking off. Yeah. And and Maggie's sort of there just being boring. I gen- I don't know. Do you get this feeling where you I genuinely forget every time she's in an episode? Well yeah, she doesn't really do anything. <laughs> this is a problem with the character. <laughs> she's just like around. She's just telling and- telling to jimmy stuff yeah <laughs> well yeah because that's her, her she's meant to be telling fortunes but like to who what is she doing all day <laughs> standing around <laughs> looking at stuff <laughs> she's like a sim that's inactive <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's taking she's taking dishes over the bathroom playground <laughs> Cleaning them. <laughs> Doesn't know how to function. <laughs> oh, and shall we talk a little bit about Stanley and Elsa's deal? I mean, again, st- why is Stanley just hanging around? Well, Stanley has a motive, right? Like he, he's like, it's like a. a a wolf in a in a chicken coop where he's like oh i need to i need to find ways of killing all of these people and profiting off of them yeah i guess i meant in like the illusion of him being a tv producer mm. who's just hanging around he doesn't have other work to do he's just hanging <laughs> <laughs> again what does he do all day he turns up to the circus and he just stands around <laughs> Producers <laughs> looking, looking, looking at stuff. <laughs> mm, nice tent, very good quality. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what he's doing because the way that he confronts Dallas by like playing with the test your strength game. Oh yeah, just and I can imagine he fully just stood by that game, not really playing for hours until Dell walked by. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god, just hitting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's an upper body workout. It tracks. Yeah. I'm really bad at those. Like worryingly bad. Oh. Do you need a test your strength machine? Um, I need strength. <laughs> <laughs> 
to test first. <laughs> and the other thing, the other kind of, I guess, important subplot of this is Penny and Paul. She runs away, but when she goes back to her house to get her stuff, uh, she gets mutilated by her own dad and his very moral tattoo artist friend. Yeah, I, I was. This I feel like is one of the weaker plot lines mm-hmm. of this season, just because. Like the the dad doesn't really make sense. No, he's just a controlling controlling dad. Yeah, and he's obsessed with his like own image of himself because he's an electrician, so he's like a pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. And so I I do not understand why in his mind the answer to that is to tattoo his daughter. Mm. If he's so obsessed with image, surely that would you know? <laughs> Well, would only hurt him. Do you know what? This is one of the ones that I I thought was one of the weaker storylines as well. And then whenever we watched this episode, I was like, oh, I can kind of see the themes that you're hinting at. And it's, I mean, it's a horrific act. But it's also that thing of, because she ran away and sort of had that orgy and then came back this is a way of him to guarantee that she has no way to come back to him because of all those things that you just pointed out. Once she leaves now, because of what he does to her, it's like he's sort of definitely closing the door on her ever coming back to to his house in the most sociopathic, aggressive way. Right. With his tattoo friend, Morris. Oh, God. I mean... Where did he come from? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Morris should be disbarred by the Tattoo Bar Association. I don't think it exists, but if there was one, he would have like been 100% disbarred. That is on some unethical body art. Yeah, I I guess I also don't understand Morris's deal. <laughs> because who's he tattooing in this extremely conservative Florida town? That's actually a good point. What does Morris do in his... Like, what where did he a- come from? <laughs> also did he tattoo himself i guess he did that would be very hard though i know it's very hard yeah especially on your face be very difficult but yeah and then there's also the thing of you know penny becomes a freak like she's made into one which oh my god even as i mentioned this i'm suddenly i suddenly have the bane um monologue from (laughs) batman (laughs) Ringing in my head. <laughs> I was gonna make a whole last point about you know natural bo- like born freaks and made freaks and how they're all still fighting a community with one another and the fact that Elsa and Penny are sort of you know been mutilated by men in their lives and now find the solace right. in this community but then I just hear it all in my head with the voice of Tom Hardy as Bane. <laughs> So your every character in this show is either a Bane or a Batman. <gasps> yes. Was his line? I was molded by it. Ah. Oh, it was something like <laughs> you. You were merely thrust into darkness. I was born in it. But I can't do the voice. You know, I cannot do voices. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great voice, though. Well, 
the main thing that we need to talk about that happens is that Dell murders my petite. <sighs> Although, you know what? We've had so many fake outs this season that who can be f- we can't be sure this actually happened because <laughs> the amount of times we've cut to that American Mobility Museum <laughs> and they reveal their new exhibit and then Ryan Murphy goes JK didn't actually happen I don't know because like the actual scene is crushing like pardon the pun but like it's really oh it's really iffy yeah, he does a he pulls a a Commodus. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> what is literally what he does? I know you're not wrong. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs> Sorry, it's just because that's the only other instance of like a a hug to death situation that death I've seen. Hug. Death by hug situation <laughs> that I've seen in popular media. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um and that's that's pretty much where where the episode ends with a shot of the American Museum of Morbidity like the Morbidity Museum. So let's move on to our categories. Yes. What was your top quote of the episode? Um when Jimmy says I want to keep my balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I think mine is when Beth is has had her makeover, so she's blonde now, and she's so into herself that she's like just admiring herself in the mirror, and it's like I bear strike, I bear striking resemblance to Eve Arden. Right, all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Bomo Bono Award for Hordiest Moment of the Episode? I mean, it's got to be Jimmy singing, doing his little Nirvana. So this is not a particularly horny episode. No, it's quite a sad episode. But also, I love that that Come As You Are moment is is horny for the audience. It's not between any of the characters. It's just for us. <laughs> yeah. This is horny for existence. <laughs> I would actually, I mean, that's a great moment. But I've got a controversial one, and it's like Stanley blackmailing Dell with a whole lot of innuendo in everything he's saying. Oh, so you think there's a bit of. That would make sense. Because I think Stanley is, like you said, a very smart character, a very manipulative person. So I think he gets off on having some sort of power over someone. Yeah. That makes sense as well. If you remembering the scene with the sex worker, like it was very much yeah. about the. It was, kind of wasn't even the guy, it was just the power dynamics were really. Totally. Mm. No, I don't think that's controversial. I think that's smart. Sorry, I think that's smart. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why my voice did that. (laughs) And what about big feels for big drama? Um. Well, 
I've already I've kind of already mentioned Evan Peters' Brad Pitt moment. Yeah. But I think I would actually give it to Kathy Bates. <gasps> yeah. She has a really great scene because one very small thing we didn't mention is that mm. she now knows about the doctor who um is actually dead. Not only has had his hand smashed, but is dead. And I don't yeah. know if Dell killed him or what happened there. We're told that he killed himself. Yeah, but did he definitely? Or did Dell Dell just broke his hands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, she's so distraught by that that she kind of projects it on Jimmy and and gets angry at him for you know being sympathetic towards Dell mm. and she has a just a good speech about you know all all that goodness guarantees you is an early grave mm. and it's just yeah it's well acted cuz it's it's that thing of like she's talking about one thing but through the performance you can see that she's thinking about something else yeah it's so it's so interesting to see the, the, the several generations of freaks because Dell and, and Ethel are both such tragic characters and Jimmy is someone who, despite all the shit that's flung his way, has a very big sense of community and is driven by that. Driven by not feeling bad about himself and not making anyone else feel feel bad about themselves either. We love a man who's breaking toxic uh, patterns of abuse. <laughs> Go Jimmy. <laughs> and who wins in this episode in Paulson v Paulson? Um Bet, right? Yeah. It's a little <laughs> I look like Eve Arden. Yeah, she gets a little makeover. She's really feeling herself. Good for Bet. Dot is fucking fuming. Also <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> And she, a part of her blackmails that she wants caviar for breakfast. I know! <laughs> My god, woman. Well, you spent two days with Dandy Mott, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you're demanding caviar for breakfast. Has caviar once, and then just wants it every day. And did, <laughs> did you pick up on any cinematic references this week? Um... I don't know. I guess the main one is just Eve Arden. Yeah, that was see, that was going to be my historical. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, what is the histori- insensitive historical reference this week? Let's just go right into it. Well, I was going to say there's multiple mentions of Eve Arden, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Bette mentions that she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for yes. Mildred Pierce, which yes. is correct. She also played the school principal in both Greece and Greece 2. Shut the fuck up. That's Eve Arden? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! That's Eve Arden. My brain just melted on the record. <laughs> uh, she had also roles in Parade, Sigfield Follies, Anatomy of a Murder. She was James Stewart's yeah. secretary in that. And one like nice little story about her, or well, just quite funny. Mm. She was born Eunice Mary Credit uh, Quiddens, and the studio asked her to change her name. So she decided she just looked at her cosmetics and was like, 
Evening in Paris and Elizabeth Alden. I'll do that. <laughs> and that's how she became Eve Arden. That's cute. Cute story. Uh, hooked up with Danny Kay. Good for her. Those are some facts about Eve Arden. <laughs> she is fantastic in Mildred Pierce, though. Like, really she good. Is. Really, really scary. I didn't actually look up who won that year. So that year, it was Anne Revere for National Velvet. Is that the movie about the horse? I actually don't know. There's no horse in the yeah, poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> National Velvet, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the one with Elizabeth Taylor and the horse. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor, the original horse girl. <laughs> <laughs> also that year, Angela Lansbury was nominated for the picture of Dorian Gray. Good for her. Yes. She's fantastic. Anyway, who is the MVP of the episode? Hmm. I want to say Bet because she's she is feeling herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind of it's kind of funny how she she did spend this very limited amount of time in Dandy's presence and has come out the other end kind of an asshole. <laughs> like I, she's pretty awful to her sister because she keeps talking about the oh we look like a before and after picture you're the before <laughs> and I'm the beautiful after because I'm so beautiful even though we have the same face but <laughs> ultra <laughs> like, mean very mean girl behavior yeah hmm. Um. so I feel like you know Dandy's a murderer. Don't don't let him rub off on you, Bet. <laughs> <laughs> Do not be influenced by a sociopathic murderer. A sociopathic yeah. murdering rich boy. You have caviar once. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we, we need to make that into a meme. <laughs> I think mine is actually Stanley. Yeah. Because no, he's, he's pulling strings. Although, you know, I usually favor a moral MVP, but hmm, he's uh, he's playing with everyone. He's the puppet master in this episode. I mean, he finally got someone to do something. <laughs> After <laughs> multiple episodes of him failing to do so. Stanley is like that. Do you remember in Office Space, the manager... Who would come up to everyone's desk and with like a coffee mug? Mm. <laughs> just be like, if you could kill a freak, that would be great. <laughs> it's exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. I've worked with that person. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> so, what can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode. Dandy finally goes to therapy. <laughs> Will it go well? We shall see. <laughs> I'm, gonna, um, I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I'm gonna say probably will murder end in murder. <laughs> 
We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Freak Show. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at The Next Supremes Pod. Also, I'm at Clarice Lowe. And I am at Anna B. Demented. You came by Luke. Never fall in love with a hustler. It's my advice. Yeah, never.